Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Well, good evening. Let me add my welcome to you all, to everyone that's come before. Thank you to the team very much. I am Michael Christie, and this is our series on glory being continued. And last week, we looked at revealed in Christ, the glory of God revealed in Christ. This week, we move on to the glory of God kept in Christ, and we base it on John chapter 17. But before we get to the scripture tonight, I just wanted us to do a little bit of uh, remembering, take a trip down memory lane, use our imaginations, which is a bit rough at six o'clock on a Sunday night, but try to remember that first day when you went to school. Can you remember your first day of school? For some of you, you might have to cast your minds back away. Uh, And if you can't remember your own first day, maybe you can remember your own kids. But that first day of school is a big one, isn't it? And each kid tends to respond uh, to the experience differently. So I have three kids of my own, uh, a girl and two boys. And my girl, uh, Ella, the eldest, was... Are cautious, very cautious about going to school, a little nervous, but open to the idea. She was happy to go, but just cautiously optimistic, you might say. My middle child, Joshua, he wasn't so thrilled. He was the kid who clung to his mum, sat on her lap and said, no, I don't want to go, don't leave me, mum. My son, Benji, the youngest, he was excited. And so on the day, Sarah takes him to school and uh, it's time for her to leave, and uh, she says, oh, come and give me a kiss and say goodbye before I go. And his response was, why? And, she, and that's really been his kind of attitude ever since, actually. But, you know, it's, it's a big thing, that first day of school. It's a big day of change. And uh, I'm not, uh, well, I am embarrassed to say that I was uh, the Joshua kid who... <laughs> I remember very vividly, not much from my childhood, but my first day was spent clinging to my own mother's leg and uh, crying and and asking her not to leave me. And uh, yeah, it's just, and she'd be shocked because uh, much has changed since then, but it can be a big thing. You know, one moment those kids go from living in the comfort of their own home where it's stable and familiar and their parents look after them, everything's uh, day by day the same, but then they get dropped into this strange place with new people, unfamiliar faces, a strange terrain, and they're left to sort of fend for themselves outside of the world they've known. You know, it's not a picnic all the time for us parents either as we take our kids to school. You know, it's a time of nostalgia often. Oh, my big grown-up boy or girl is, is going off to school and we worry about how they're going to go. Are they going to be able to adapt and be comfortable and learn and grow? Are they going to survive and thrive in this new place? And I raise this because there's a bit of this dynamic going on behind our passage today. Jesus, while he was in the world, treated his disciples like his own children. He kept them close. He protected them. He taught them important truth. He nurtured them, showed them amazing things. He cared for them. And they learned along the way to trust in him. But now Jesus knows 
that he's about to face the cross. He knows he's about to die and leave them physically. He won't be there for them anymore. And they'll have to face the big wide world for themselves without him in a manner of speaking. So it's in these circumstances that we come to his prayer for the disciples and we see Jesus' heart moved with love and compassion and concern for his disciples as he lifts them up to God whilst they're standing there with him. And this is where we begin our reading at uh, John 17, 6, 19, uh, 2.19, and Rachel's going to read that for us now. Thanks, Rachel. A reading from John chapter 17, verses 6 to 17. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world, any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Amen. Thank you, Rachel. It's a a long passage. It's a big passage with lots in it. And there's many things that are worth uh, meditating on uh, when we have a chance in our own time. But there's three things that I sort of want to bring out from the text that are, are in a way a progression from Jesus. So he starts his prayer with... A prayer for the beginning of uh, their faith, for their foundation in him, for the way that glory begins in him, through us. You know, in verses 1 to 5, he prays, glorify me, Father, that I may glorify you. And so he did that when he went to the cross and was resurrected. But now Jesus is concerned about God being glorified after he leaves the earth. And this is to happen for his disciples. So he begins his prayer with presenting the disciples before God as those who have come to know him and belong to him through their faith in Christ. The glory of God begins in us When we come to know God through Christ. In verse 6 he prays, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. And that word revealed in the Greek means to make visible, make known, to bring into the open 
something that has been previously unseen or unknown. And so Jesus is saying, Lord, I've come to these people, I've come to this world, and you are now known by them. They see you. You know, and Jesus revealed the Father through everything that he did and everything that he said, the Gospel of John said. So when we see Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, it's because God himself is washing the feet of his disciples. When we see Jesus go to the cross, it's because the Father is willing to pay the price himself through Christ for his people. When we see him heal the sick and forgive the sinners and dwell amongst the lost, it's because the Father cries out for the same things. We see who God is through his son, Jesus Christ. And this God and who he is, is described best by, or simply through John 3.16, which many of you will know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so Jesus comes demonstrating and speaking this message that God wants to be known by you. He wants to know you and be known by you. And you can now through me. I am he. He is me. We are one. And this is the hope for the world. The incredible point Jesus is making as he begins to pray is that the previously invisible God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is now known through him as this God of eternal love who's made a way for every human life to come and know and live with him. But the key to knowing this God is trusting that that is true and that he is who he says he is. In verses 7 to 8, Jesus says to his father that his disciples know everything you have given me comes from you. I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. The foundation, our starting point for this prayer is that We can know God through Christ and receive his glory in the process and life through believing that Jesus is the Son and saves. Anyone who does believe this, Jesus goes on to say in verse 9 and 10, belongs to the Father. He says, they are yours. They are yours. And glory has come to me through them. It's an incredible, profound, mysterious thing that's hard to grasp, but we belong to God. We are his children when we accept his son. We're adopted into his family, Ephesians says. And I wonder today and tonight if you know this for yourself. Do you know Jesus? Do you know the Father through Jesus? Have you come to see Jesus as Lord, as Savior, as the one who came revealing the Father for us all to see and his salvation that he brings through his death and resurrection? If you can answer yes today, then take encouragement that Jesus intercedes for us. Jesus is a mediator between us and God. And he comes to the Father praying for us. He does this, he prays for us now, knowing that our faith in him will be tested. And you know, I don't know about you, but when I first 
came to know Jesus and gave my life to him, there was this incredible period, which I'd call a honeymoon period, of just overwhelming love and joy and peace and hope as I discover that this Jesus actually is the Son of God. And he has revealed that there is a God. He's true. He's real. And he loves me. And he's for me. And he's with me. And you know, as I walked through that first... maybe shamefully, six to 12 months of just living in sheer exhilaration at these truths. Everything is good and wonderful and I faithfully follow him as I come to learn his voice through the Spirit. But then comes testing. Then comes times where I'm challenged. Then comes times when my understanding is confronted by the world around me. And Jesus knows this as he prays for his disciples. They have faith in me, they believe, but they will also be challenged. And so the second thing we see as he moves on in his prayer is that we, he wants to keep our faith firm in him, safe, protect us. So in verse 11, Jesus prays for our safekeeping, saying, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. Holy Father, protect them. By the power of your name, the name that you gave me. And the word that the NIV translates uh, as protect there can also mean to keep, which is where we get the, the message title, kept in Christ. And it means preserved in his way. So as I'm walking along, discovering Jesus, discovering the Father through him, and I'm living life, I stay kept on his path. I don't veer to the right or to the left. And Jesus prays this because he knows that there's threats out there to our faith. There's two in particular that he raises in this passage. In verse 14 and 15, he prays, I have given them your word and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. The truth is that Jesus knew once he was physically removed from their lives, that they would suffer, that they would face hardships, that they would live in a world that was contrary to the will and way of God. That's why he came, to offer a new way, to, to reveal the true will of God and to empower us to know it and to live it for ourselves. But we live still in a world around us where that is not what's happening. We know that ourselves that the world wants to live selfishly. The world teaches us to do what you want to do, be what you want to be, me, myself, and I. And Jesus says, you're going to face this and be tempted. You're going to face the enemy, the evil one, the devil, who hates my people, who hates the purposes of God, who wants to remove you as far from him as possible. Be aware, but know that I pray for you. I come before the Father and I know that he will use his power to keep you close. He will help you remain in relationship with him. And as Jesus prays that, it's not, we discover that the purpose of this protection is not just that we remain close to the Father, but that we remain close to one another. He says, protect them, Lord, so that they may be one as we are one. And it's the first insight in this passage to just how important Jesus uh, finds unity, 
what his, his plans and his purposes are is that we be unified as one people together. And we'll talk about this unity more in a couple of weeks, but Rick Warren uh, explains its significance uh, quite well in this way. He says, Unity in the church is so important that the New Testament gives more attention to it than either heaven or hell. God deeply desires that we experience oneness and harmony with each other. Unity is the soul of fellowship. Destroy it and you rip the heart out of Christ's body. It is the essence, the core of how God intends for us to experience life together in his church. Our supreme model for unity is the Trinity. The Father, Son and Holy Spirit are completely unified as one. God himself is the highest example of sacrificial love, humble other-centeredness, and perfect harmony. And so Jesus is saying to the Lord, Father, just as you and I and the Spirit are one, may they be one with each other, that they would express and reveal to the world what I am truly like, what we are truly like as God. So when we come together, when we love and serve and are humble before one another. We're actually revealing to the world through that, that this God is the same and that he is with us. And this continues as Jesus prays that he protects us so that we remain united and become a people who express his love and grace to the world. So the third thing that he, that he prays to the Father is, Lord, sanctify them by the truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And that word sanctify just means basically to be separate, to be set apart, to be different from the world, to be purified, to be made holy, to be made new in his image. It's also in the Old Testament used to refer to someone being dedicated or consecrated, being set aside for a special purpose, often in terms of priests and prophets. The priests or the prophets are enter into the service of God in his temple and for the people by being sanctified, by being made new, by being set aside for that purpose. And so Jesus is saying, Father, Through your Holy Spirit, through your truth, wash them, make them clean, set them aside and send them so that they can be like me in the world. So that they can reveal your love and your glory and your purposes for salvation everywhere they go. And you know, there's a a wonderful thing that we can see when we step back from this prayer and And hear Jesus pray for protection, for keeping, and for sanctification and sentness is that we're here because God the Father has answered this prayer of Jesus Christ. We wouldn't be here today, we wouldn't know the will of God, we wouldn't know him for ourselves unless God the Father had answered this prayer first for his initial disciples and then through every generation since, almost 2,000 years later. God has answered this prayer and he does it for you and me today. He promises that he will protect us, keep us, sanctify us and send us. 
for the sake of the world. But before I close today, I just wanted to quickly consider what then is our side of the equation, knowing that the Father is trustworthy and faithful to answer Jesus' prayer, how can we partner in return with Jesus to be kept in him? And it might be a little bit cheesy, but I have a, a little acronym to try and help us remember some of the practical ways we can be kept in Christ. The first is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And what I mean here is that we need to find ways each and every day where we can refresh our hearts and our minds in the truth of Jesus, in the truth that God loves us, in the truth that God gives himself to us, that he is with us, that he never leaves us nor forsakes us, because every day we will face the world. Every day we will face the, an enemy who tries to rob us of that truth and of that knowledge. And so we need to come regularly before the Lord and let his truth be firmly planted in us. So some practical ways we can do this, obviously, is through scripture, through coming to the word daily. And there's now apps on the phone. I get two separate apps give me verses from scripture each day and if I take the time to seriously sit down and read them and let them wash over me they give me an early point of orientation towards my Lord listening to worship music is another way that we can refresh ourselves in the knowledge of who God is and who we are in him You know, worship music that exalts Jesus, like we've listened to tonight, that uh, he has died upon the cross. Hallelujah. Death is beaten. Christ has risen from the grave. Another thing that's helpful that we do regularly uh, down at Kubi from time to time in our prayer groups is reflect on the times in our lives where we've known God's love and his provision We call to mind the things God has done for us in the past. And the first place you can start is remembering, and I find this helpful for me, is remembering who we were without him at the start, who I was before Christ. And you know, it's not a pretty picture for me. You know, I was not a happy person. I was not a, uh, in fact, I was very seriously depressed. And I struggled each and every day with hopelessness and anxiety and stress. And I had no way for coping with that. And I felt lost and alone. But then that day when I knew Jesus, that day when I saw him, that day when he made himself known to me, changed my life forever. I know that. And it's not that I never get anxious or never get stressed, but I have a hope through it all. And I have someone I can come back to and say, Lord, here it is. And without you, I will walk away. I'm tempted. Lord, it's hard. This world is overwhelming. I'm struggling, but I know that you have saved me. I remember, I remember that day that you came into my heart and you said, Michael, I am yours and you are mine. Follow me. Then there are times as we walk through life that we see God do things that we just can't explain any other way. And as we recall these things to mind now and as we struggle, they help re-anchor us to the truth in Christ. So that's the K. Keep our eyes fixed on him. E 
Engage with Christian brothers and sisters regularly. And I think, well, one of the things I've, I've noticed in my own life is that the, one of the greatest obstacles to knowing Jesus in a true and intimate way is the busyness that our life is at the moment in this world. We're just so occupied with everything that's going on around us, with our own lives. And even if we're not truly busy, the perception of busyness is always there because we're always stimulated by phones or devices or we're always contactable, reachable, we're always around other people. You know, as parents, you spend your day at work and then you go home and your kids need you, they have uh, all the energy in the world and you have none of it and it can be overwhelming and it can be draining and we can be tempted to stop meeting together. But Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And that's why we have small groups. That's why we have prayer times in this church. It's why we have Bible studies. It's why we have Sunday services. Is so that as we come together in the presence of the Lord who said, where two or more gather, I will be there, we become safe again in Christ. We get refreshed and washed again in his word and his truth. And we say, oh, that's right. There is a God who loves me. I remember He's with me now. I can feel that. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times in the last three years as I've been down at Kubi and we have a couple of prayer times during the week and, and I will often go into those prayer times feeling defeated and flat and stressed and anxious and not wanting to be there. But as I step into that time with those precious people... And, I, and we together bear our hearts before the Lord. I can't explain it, but without fail, every time, I leave that place different because I know that the presence of God has been there. And I say, oh, that's right. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And again, I'm changed and I'm back, kept on his path with him. And so I encourage you, to engage with your brothers and sisters. It might just be coffee during the week, catching up with someone and being honest with them and saying, this is where I'm at. Would you pray for me? Would you help me? Would you come and commune with me in the presence of Jesus? There's nothing more the devil wants than for us to live isolated lives from one another. That's where we lose our way, lose ourselves and lose our strength together in Christ. The P is pray always, K-E-P, keep, engage, and pray. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. If you find it difficult to pray, like I have many times then let me encourage you with these words from Max Licato. He says, Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers still make 
a difference. All God wants is for us to come before him, to know that he's there and say, bleh. That's all he wants. That's all it takes. He sees the heart. He knows the mind. He knows you inside out better than you know yourself. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to say it eloquently. You don't have to cover everything. Jesus knows what you need and he just wants you to come to him in prayer. The T, keep, engage, pray. The T is take Jesus with us everywhere we go to everyone we meet. Be on the lookout for opportunities to shine the love and light of God in our lives with other people. You know, as we go out day to day, it doesn't have to be in ministry, it doesn't have to be uh, proclaiming the gospel on the street corner, it doesn't have to be bold and brash. You know, Jesus says that we are salt and light, salt in the world and light in the world. And salt is something that is, is small and unobtrusive. It's not easy to see with our eye, but it flavors that which it comes in contact with and it makes healthy the meat that you put it on. It keeps the meat, it changes its flavor and makes it good. And so that's a similar, whereas the light, the light is more bold, the light is noticeable. But there's two things at operation there. There will be times where we know that God is saying, share with them about me, share what God is doing in your life. But then there'll be many other times where it's the salt, where it's the, the, the small, the unseen, where you give someone a smile or you say, how are you? Or you just cook a meal for a friend or visit them, take time to love and serve them. You know, one thing, this isn't a strong suit for me, so I've made a conscious effort in recent years to, when I do the food shopping each week, go through the checkout and just practice it on the checkout person. And this isn't necessarily for everyone, but you know, the, the people that service in the checkout aisles don't get a lot of joy in their day. They're there to make an honest living. And to be honest, for the most part, people are either looking down or on their phones or just plain out rude and grumpy verbally. But if we take the time to just look them in the eyes and say, how are you? How's your day going? Has it been busy? And just see what happens. It's very non-threatening, but it makes such a difference. There's been times where I've gone through that process and they've said, oh, wow, that was a great chat. Thank you. You know, have a good day. And you can see as they're, they're what's it called? Their countenance changes. They're there dreary and drab and then they've, they've just, we've communed together, we've shared together, we've seen eye to eye together and they're touched and it makes a difference and they notice. Take Jesus with us everywhere we go to everyone we meet. Let me close with this story about a Greek man named Alexander Papaderas. During the Second World War, German paratroopers invaded the island of Crete. When they landed at Malim, the islanders tried to fight back with the only weapons they had, kitchen knives and haysickles. But the consequences were devastating. The residents of entire villages were lined up and shot. Alexander was just six years old 
when the war started and his home village was destroyed and he was imprisoned in a concentration camp. When the war ended, he became convinced that his people needed to let go of the hatred the war had unleashed, so he founded an institute for peace and understanding. One day, while taking questions at the end of a lecture, Alexander was asked, what's the meaning of life? In response, he opened his wallet, took out a small round mirror and held it up for everyone to see. He explained that during the war, he came across a motorcycle wreck. The motorcycle had belonged to German soldiers and he saw broken pieces of mirror from the motorcycle lying on the ground. He tried to put them together but couldn't. So he took the largest piece and scratched it against a stone until its edges were smooth and it was round. He would then use it as a toy, fascinated by the way he could use it to shine light into holes and crevices that were dark. He kept that mirror with him as he grew up and over time he came to see it as a symbol for his life. And he said this, I am a fragment of a mirror whose whole design and shape I do not know. Nevertheless, with what I have, I can reflect light into the dark places of this world, into the black places in the hearts of men, and change some things in some people. Perhaps others may see and do likewise. This is what I am about. This is the meaning of my life. And church, we too are fragments of a mirror, but we know whose design and whose shape we fit into together. We are a mirror of Jesus and his glory and his love and his nature is to be reflected in us and through us into the dark places of this world. That's the meaning of our lives. It's the meaning of being kept in Christ. So as we head out to Easter this week, Let's come before the Lord together now and just pray that the Father would keep us, would protect us as we go into this week and help us to shine his light to those we meet. Let's pray. Jesus, I just want to start by saying thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for living the life you lived. Thank you for facing the cross. Thank you for being obedient even to the point of death. Thank you for rising again. Thank you for revealing the Father to us. Lord, tonight we ask that we would know you afresh. Father, we come before you and just proclaim how much we need you. Deepen our understanding of who you are, Lord. Deepen our faith and our certainty in the truth of Jesus Christ. As you do, Lord, we pray that you would keep us, protect us in your way. Sanctify us, set us apart, Lord, to be those who are sent into the world like Jesus to shine your light, to show your love and salvation to the broken and the hurting. We ask these things in your matchless name with the confidence that you say yes. 
Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 93291777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.